have to stay afloat. It's not easy. Be a person you don't want. Can somebody save me? Other thing going to do? Going to do? Where's the life I? Where's my childhood? Is this called living? I don't know. Trust the name of 
Jesus. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever. Forevermore, you are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the Forevermore, you are victorious. Unmatched all your wisdom, in love and justice you will reign. Every knee will bow. Expectations, our hope is anchored in your name, name of Jesus. Oh, oh we trust the name of Jesus. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever. Forevermore, you are
The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God that's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days. Oh, yes, I will. to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. Yes, I will, and nothing can stand against. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I I'll bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for
Your glory, God, is what I 
Hey, Mosaic, happy Sunday, man. Hope you were able to lock in there and get into, you know, spirit of worship, even though you're in your living room. Uh, tell you what, I really feel like um, God has laid this sermon on my heart. So I'm hoping uh, you can remove the distractions, do whatever you can do to, to, to get the kids locked up, man, hand them a tablet, banish them from the room, whatever you can do, because I really feel uh, like this is important. So uh, pray with me before we jump in. Jesus, thank you so much uh, for our ability to, to do this, even though we can't be together. And I just pray uh, for your spirit right now, Lord, to be where we all are, that uh, even though we aren't in the same room, that you would just do what you do because you can be everywhere at once, Lord, that you would move in all of our hearts collectively right where we are and just help us to be open uh, to what you have to say today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so we're in this series called Precedented, and the idea behind the series is that obviously we're going through uh, a lot of stuff right now that is unprecedented, that we don't like, uh, but there are also a lot of things happening right now that are very precedented. Uh, aspects of the human existence that most of the time we would rather ignore, most of the time we would rather, you know, kind of tuck into the dark closets of our minds uh, than think about, than process. And, and this, this season that we're in is bringing this stuff to the surface. So if we were meeting together, I would take a straw poll right now. I would ask you to raise your hand if you've felt anxious or worried in the past three months. Uh, and since we're not meeting together, I guess, I don't know, there's no emoji that is an anxiety emoji, is there? I don't think there is. So I don't know, put the sad face, put the cry face right now if you felt anxious or worried in the past three months. Now, that's an easy one, right? That's kind of like the, the pastor thing to get everybody to participate because uh, unless you're lying or you're just one of those people who the moment he asked me to do it, I'm not going to do it. Like everybody's felt this, right? Every single person has felt some level of anxiety, worry, or fear in the past three months. Do you want to know why? Do you want to know why you've felt a, a kind of an increase in anxiety and worry and fear in the past three months? Because of Corona. No. Yes, but, but no. Uh, I'll give you one word. One word that has caused anxiety, worry, fear to spike in your life in the past three months. It, it starts with a C, but it's not Corona. It's control. Control. We feel right now out of control. Our lack of control has caused fear, has caused anxiety, has caused worry. Uh, there are so many things right now that we cannot control, right? We can't control the virus. We can't control whether we get the virus. We can do some things to lower our risk, but we can't control it, right? We can't control whether the people we love get the virus, even less so, right? We can't control how other people are responding to the virus. We can't control what the government is doing in response to the virus. We can't control how the media is covering the virus. We can't control how this is going to affect our personal finances. We can't control how it's going to affect the economy. And let's add a couple more in there. We can't control racism. We can't control how people are responding to racism. We can't control, we can't control, we can't control, we can't control. There are so many things right now that we just cannot control. And listen, this is really important. There is a deep connection between your desire for control and your anxiety level, your worry level, your, your fear level, a deep connection. The higher your desire for control, the higher your anxiety will go when you feel out of control. So I know 
Some of, some of you have enough self-awareness to know that you, you are a control freak. You, you kind of already know that, right? The person sitting on the couch next to you right now is looking at you. You're laughing. You already know you are a control freak. Um, you've self-diagnosed that a long time ago. But some of you right now, you're not really sure. Um, like, uh, and it's obviously maybe it's, it's not just that you are a control freak. Maybe, maybe there's levels to it. Maybe there's uh, a gradient that goes up to control freak and, and you might not be that high, but you don't know really where you're at when it comes to that. I want to give you a little test to help you kind of diagnose where you are on the control scale in life. So 10 things, the more you say yes to, the higher your desire for control. Number one, you might have control issues if... Uh, you refuse to delegate. You know, if you've ever said the sentence, uh, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. If, if that's, that, that's, a, that's a control thing. Number two, uh, if you feel the need to prove yourself worthy or valuable often, if you got you to get out there and prove yourself, that's a control thing. Uh, number three, if you're a perfectionist, you know, if you can't make any mistakes, that's a, that's a control thing. Um, number four, <laughs> I like this one. Uh, you get moody when you're not the one making decisions and calling the shots. <laughs> moody. <laughs> I would never <laughs> want to admit that, but uh, I get it. I get it. Number five, uh, you might have control issues if you micromanage people in your life, even if they're not working for you. <laughs> even if they're not working for I've seen this from a distance. It's, it's messy. Uh, number six, you are quick to judge the actions of other people. Uh, you might have a control issue. Number seven, if you're unhappy, if things don't go exactly according to plan. Number eight, you constantly criticize people. That's a control thing. Number nine, you have a difficult time following other people's directions or government mandates, hypothetically. Number 10, one of my favorites, uh, you are bothered by other controlling people. Like <laughs> you're so controlling, you want to have a monopoly on control. Uh, how dare somebody else be controlling? <laughs> and then I'll give you a bonus number, number 11 bonus. If you yell at red lights for being red, uh, you, you might have control issues. And uh, I've never done that in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so the higher your score on that little test, then the more you like control in your life, the more you desire control in your life. And I believe the higher your score, that means the more likely you are to struggle with fear and anxiety and worry when things feel out of control. So especially right now. But here's why I wanted this subject in this series. Uh, what we're going through right now is unique for sure, but... I actually believe that it's not that we have less control than normal. I actually believe that it's, it's that we are more aware of how little control we have all the time. This pandemic is, is breaking the illusion of control that we have. It's bringing to the surface like the deep, dark truth of how few things in our life we actually have control over. You don't have less control than normal. You're just more aware of how little control you ever had. This is one of those sayings. I mean, you'd rather ignore this and maybe you want to fight me on it, but you got to know this is true. You have way less control than you think. You have to admit this. Pandemic or no pandemic, your life could get turned upside down by one phone call. Your phone buzzing in your pocket could turn your life upside down, right? One phone call, hey, the company was sold, we're all laid off. One phone call, there was an accident. One phone call, hey, the test results are in, we need you to come in. One phone call could turn your life completely upside down, and there's nothing you could ever do to control those things, ever. 
pandemic or no? It's always true. So, so what I'm trying to get you to see here is much of our sense of control is actually an illusion, I think, designed to help us feel better, right? And now, right now in the season we're in, we're feeling very disillusioned. We're feeling very, very uh, few things in our control in our life right now. But this is just the way it's always been. Just ignored it. Now, James has something to say about that in uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Here's what he says. Look here, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain city and stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Now, Reading that right now, (laughs) when I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, James, you're a little aggressive there, buddy. I feel feel a little bit attacked right now by that. Look here, you who say, it's almost like he's wagging his finger in your face. Like, you got to get this. You got to get this. Today, if if you're the kind of person who would say, hey, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town. We're going to stay there a year. And we're going to make a profit. Like, if you you said something like that in January, (laughs) you're pretty disappointed right now, right? Everything's different. And then verse 14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? It's like a two-handed shove to the chest of your sense of control, right? I mean, this, this should be the theme verse for 2020. You don't even know what tomorrow... So, so what he's saying is, hey, you don't even know what tomorrow's like. You, you, you think next week, you think next month, you think next year. <laughs> you don't even know about tomorrow. You don't even know about tomorrow. And then he says, hey, uh, kind of cha- you, should, you should change the way you think. He said, what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we'll live and do this or that. And uh, I, I want to clarify there. Number one, I don't think James is anti-making plans. I don't think he's saying, hey, live by the seat of your pants because you don't know what tomorrow looks like. You know, don't make plans because it could change. I don't think he's saying that. I also don't think he's saying, like, put the magic phrase, if the Lord wills, in front of every sentence you say. I really don't feel that way. Like, hey, I'm going to go to the grocery store tomorrow. If the Lord wills. I don't think you have to say that about every sentence you say about the future. What he's, what he's talking about is your attitude. Your attitude towards the future. He's trying to pry that, that controlling spirit out of your chest. He's trying to get you to break that illusion of control that you have about the future. Now, he's, he's not wanting you to give it up to the air. He's trying to get you to put it into the right place. You are not in control of your future. But let me ask you something. What's the opposite of control? What's the opposite of control? Now, the obvious answer, you know, if you're just kind of your knee-jerk reaction, would be a lack of control, out of control, chaos, uh, powerlessness maybe. But for the Christian, what's the opposite of control? Answer's a little different. If control's over here, the opposite of control is actually Faith. Faith. Control and faith are on opposite ends of the spectrum. If you have control, you don't need much faith. But if you don't have control, that's where faith comes in. You are not in control, but God is. And that's what James is trying to get you to see there, right? You are not in control, but God is. So I think we kind of have three choices when it comes to uh, like our feeling out of control. When we have that sense that we are lacking control, we have three choices what we can do in that moment. Number one, we can try to get back what we never had in the first place. You can fight and scratch and claw to get control back even though you never had it. 
Number two, you can just go to that worry, anxiety, fear place. You can, you can go and you can live there. Or number three, you can choose to have faith in an omnipotent, uh, all-knowing God. Those are your options. Get back what you never had. Fear, anxiety, worry, faith in God. That's the only, the only options you got. So I have a nine-year-old son and a three-year-old son. They're fun. Uh, we play video games together sometimes. Um, most of the time, though, we're playing two-player games, uh, co-op mode, Halo. I'm old school. I like Halo. Halo 1 is my favorite. Uh, so we go around you know, shooting grunts and elites and stuff. And uh, it's, two, it's two-player, which means that one of us is not really playing, right? Uh, all of us have controllers in our hand. All of us. One, two, three. All of us have controllers in our hand. Uh, two of the controllers have batteries in them, but one doesn't. Um, <laughs> now, the three-year-old has a controller, man. And, and, and he is pressing buttons vigorously. Like he, he is just going to town. He's spending energy. He's, he's working hard on that controller. Um, he even gets mad when he dies. It's never him that dies. It's always Gideon. It's never me. But, but, but he gets mad when he dies. He gets mad if, if, if the guy on the screen goes the wrong way. He's like, I don't, I don't want to go that way. Why is it doing that? He, he doesn't understand. Uh, he thinks he's controlling what's happening on the screen. But his controller does not have batteries in it. <laughs> He is expending enormous amounts of energy trying to control something that he has no control over whatsoever. I think that accepting your lack of control could actually be a pretty freeing thing in your life. It could be. Not spending emotional and mental energy on things you cannot affect could be freedom for you. Not staying up at night, plotting to control what you can't. That, that, that could be a freeing thing. Setting down the controller that actually doesn't have any batteries in it could be a freeing thing. What is it in your life right now that you need to put down the batteryless controller? What, what, what specific place in your life do you need to go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm really spending a lot of energy here and I just need to put that down. It doesn't have batteries in it. You can't, you can't control the pandemic. You can't. You can't. Put, 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 put it down. You, you can't control how people are responding to this whole thing. Put it down. You can't control the government. Put it down. You can't control the economy. Put it down. Put it down. You, it, there's no batteries in it. You can't fix it. You can't change it. You are spending enormous amounts of energy pressing buttons on a powerless controller. Stop it. Yeah. We, we have to take the world as it is, not as we'd like it to be, right? You wish there were batteries, but there's not. You, you just have to admit it. There are a lot of things in your life that may affect you, but you don't have any control over. But in order for this to actually be a freeing thing, because you could, the moment you start to say, oh, okay, I need to put this down, it can actually uh, be maybe a depressing thing or, or a fear-inducing thing. So you're going to give up trying to get back what you never had. You're going to immediately automatically go to that fear, anxiety, worry place. Like, I can't control it. The prerequisite to actually feeling free when you put the controller down is acknowledging that someone else has the real controller that actually has the batteries in it. It's not that no one has control, it's that someone does. In order to not drown in a sea of what-ifs, in order to not stay up at night staring at your ceiling, trying to to avoid all these, these impending doom situations, you have to put your trust somewhere. 
You can't just put the controller down. You have to mentally, uh, spiritually put your trust somewhere. So obviously you're tuned into a church service here. You know I'm biased. I'm going to tell you, I think you should put your trust in God. You have to acknowledge that God is in control. You might not be, but God is. Now, the moment you do that, uh, the fight kind of shifts, right? Uh, the moment you say, I can't control whether my phone buzzes in my pocket, I can't control what's happening in the world on a grand scale, I can't, but God can and God is, you're faced with a, with a different fight, with a different battle. The first battle is this struggle to control things that you can and then really kind of to admit that you don't have any control, to put the, the fight to put the controller down. That's the first battle. But the second battle is going to be what, you're th- what you think about the one who is in control. That, that's where the next battle goes. Because the moment you acknowledge someone else has control, what is that person like? What is, what is the one who has his hands on the controller of the universe? What's he like? Can I trust him? that's the next fight, right? The first fight is to put the controller down. The second fight is, can I trust the one who is in control? And here's the deal. I actually believe that the better you answer this question, the less anxiety you'll have. The the better you answer the question, can I trust God? Um, the, the less fear, worry, anxiety you have in your life. It's not, it's not automatic. It's not a perfect uh, equation in your life. But I really do believe that the more you understand who God is and how he operates and how trustworthy he is, the less fear, anxiety, and worry you will have. So uh, I want to spend some time here giving you three things about God that you need to know. And you don't just need to know them, you need to like know them. You know what I mean? It's not a here thing, it's a here thing. You need to let it sink down into your heart. And maybe that's it, because these are not like mind-blowing things. You're not gonna go, oh my gosh, I never knew that. They're actually very basic things that you have to uh, allow to, to soak into your soul. You have to remind yourself of them. You have to uh, fight for them like at the soul level. And the more we let these things become like our knee-jerk reaction in the way we think about God, the less fear, anxiety, and worry we will have. Three things. So here's the first one. Uh, super, again, this is, not, this is not mind-blowing. Number one, God knows what he's doing. God knows, write that down. That's really important. I know you've never heard that before, but God knows what he's doing. Um, and I know if, if I asked you, do you think God knows what he's doing? You're not going to say, I don't know. You're going to say yes, right? That's your, that's your official stance. Your, your, your press release to the world is, I believe God knows what he's doing. Um, but like in the trenches of life, in the, in the messy situations, in the painful situations, even though up here you, you might be thinking, yes, I believe God knows what he's doing. When, when things go bad, a question pops up and it's not like you choose it. It just kind of happens. You just kind of have this question bubble up from the inside. Does he know what he's doing? Like what? If he does, why would he let this happen? Right? Those, those questions, you, you don't choose them. They just kind of come out of you. And listen, here's, here's what I want to suggest. Don't lie about that. Don't, don't, don't be sitting here going, I've never thought that in my entire life. N- n- shut up. Y- yes, you have. Everyone has had those questions bubble up in the messiness and the pain of life. Don't lie about it. Don't lie to yourself and don't lie to God. Admit it and admit it to God. Cause guess what? He already knows. He already knows. Why would you hide it? 
What if instead of trying to hide it, what if instead of trying to deny it, you prayed a really honest, a really raw prayer where you said, hey, God, I'm, I'm struggling right now to trust that you know what you're doing. My heart, my thoughts, they're all turned inside out, and I need you to help me trust you. I think he, he loves that kind of a prayer. I think he honors that kind of a prayer. Again, because he already knew you felt that way. He already knows, by the way, he already knows how hard it is down there. He prayed a similar prayer to that. Do you realize that when Jesus was on earth, he prayed a similar prayer to that. Hey, this is really hard, but, but help, me, help me get there. Not, not my will, but your will. Like that, that's, a, that's a visceral thing. Jesus was in that moment and he knows what it's like to be there. So don't deny feeling that. Lean into it. Ask God to help you with that. Look what God tells Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55. God says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So God's saying, hey, my thoughts, my ways are so high above yours. The highest mountain of human intelligence has nothing on the heights of heaven, right? Everest is high. Jupiter is higher. Like they're not really a comparison between the two. And I think we should find comfort in that, right? We should find peace in that. When things are crazy, when things are in upheaval, that we say, you know what? We believe that, that God knows what he's doing, if, even if we can't understand it. I had this youth pastor growing up, um, you know, uh, teenager kind of wrestling with your faith, trying to figure things out and um, having a lot of big questions about God sometimes, especially when things are hard as a teenager. And uh, I remember one of the things that he said that stuck with me is, hey, if God is big enough uh, to be, to be uh, or if he's small enough to, to understand, then he's, then he's not big enough to be worshiped. If, he, if he's so small that you can understand everything that he's doing, he's not big enough for you to worship him. So, and, and that really kind of left an impression on me to say, hey, if I understood everything about God, then he's not big enough to worship. There's got to be pieces of what God is doing that I just can't understand. The picture has to be big enough that I can only see part of it or the guy's not worthy of worship. So God is big and he knows what he's doing, even when it doesn't seem like it. Even when it doesn't seem like it. That's the first thing. God knows what He's doing um, mind-blowing, right? Here's the second thing. And again, this, is not you, this isn't groundbreaking. Number two, God is good. God is good. Uh, and everybody who grew up in church said, all the time, right? And then I say, all the time. And then you say, God is good. So if you didn't grow up in church, it's a little thing that, that pastors and congregations uh, you know, do this back and forth thing, talking about the goodness of God. And, it, and it's something that some churches do like every single week, they, they do that um, because they're trying to remind themselves of that truth, that, that no matter what, God is good. All the time, God is good. We need to remind ourselves of that over and over and over again. Again, it's not a here thing, it's a here thing. Psalm 145.9 says, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. God is good. But, but this becomes difficult when our circumstances turn sideways, right? The thought creeps in that if my life isn't good, then God must not be good. It becomes a question, right? It becomes this, well, if God is good, then why? Dot, 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 whatever. 
And here's what I want to suggest. If you start with your circumstances, you're always going to struggle with this, right? Um, If you start mentally thinking about where you're at and about the things that have happened and then look at God through your circumstances, you're always going to see things wrong. If you start with your circumstances, you're starting in the wrong place and you're going to end in the wrong place. If you start in the wrong place, you're going to end in the wrong place. You got to start with what you know about God and you look at your circumstances through what you know about God. You don't start with your circumstances and then guess about what God is like. It would change every minute. And if you really start to believe that, see, and I think sometimes you almost have to fight yourself. You know what I mean? You're going to have to wrestle on the inside to say, no, God is good, God is good, God is good. Then you get to this place where uh, John 13, 7 is it's such an important verse. I feel like this is one, one of those ones that you should memorize. It's not even that long. Uh, Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. You you can't see it now, but someday you will. You you don't have the perspective now, but someday you will. You don't have the whole picture right now, but someday you will. He's saying that, hey, even though you can only see a little bit, I can see all of it, right? Um, Don't judge the author by one page in the book. Uh, You know what I'm saying? He's not, he's trying to get you to back up a little bit or at least acknowledge that there's more to the story, right? You trust, you believe that the author's good even if the page you're on isn't. So when you hit that chapter that's difficult in your life, you know in your soul he's up to something. He's up to something. Maybe not this chapter, maybe not next chapter, but I know that the the book is not over and that he's doing something. He's working here because I know he's good. He's good even if your circumstances aren't. God knows what he's doing and God is good. All right, now let me blow your mind with this last one. Number three, God loves you. <laughs> God loves you. Uh, this one is, is so important because uh, you can believe that God knows what he's doing. You can even believe that he's good, but you can still doubt that he loves you. You, you might think that he wants nothing to do with you. This God who knows what he's doing, this God who is good, actually doesn't want anything to do with me. And, and that probably has less to do with his goodness and more to do with yours, right? You don't deserve for a good God to be good to you because you don't feel like you're good. And uh, I would say the Bible actually kind of agrees with you. Compared to God, you're not good. You're not good. We, we've all uh, fallen short, right? We, we've all made mistakes over and over and over again in our life. We have. Our goodness compares to God's. It's, it's a joke. But look at what Romans 5, 7, and 8 says. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Man, he said, hey, like God's not waiting for you to clean that up. God's not waiting for you to make up for whatever you did in the past. God looked at you in your worst moment and said, I love that person. I love that person so much. Jesus is going to go die for them sacrifice his life for them. If you need proof that God loves you, look no further than the cross. In your worst moment, he died for you. What what more can he do to prove it to you? Timothy Keller put it this way. God looks at the anxious and says, I tore my son to shreds for you, and you're afraid I will not give you 
what you need. And that one hits me right in the chest. Like you're, you're looking at all these little details of your life saying, oh my God, what, what are you doing, God? What are you, what's it gonna, what, you, do you not love me? And God's over here going, I, I died for you. I died for you. What, what more do I have to do to prove it? You're down here. You're so close to your circumstances. You're not seeing the big picture. Back up. He loves you. He fiercely loves you. He aggressively loves you. The whole story of the Bible is this God who, who doesn't sit high on his throne, disconnected from the world, but he is a pursuing God. He is down chasing after us. He loves you, not, not because of you, but in spite of you. He aggressively loves you. So he knows what he's doing. He's good and he loves you. Now, Maybe you already knew that. I'm assuming at least almost everybody knew it here. Maybe you even knew it here. So let me give you a little, uh, call this Christianity, like the 200 level of Christianity, 300 level of Christianity. You know, God loves me, that's a, that's a 100 level thing. Let's, I'll, I'll hit you with a little, little more advanced stuff here. Um, something that you might struggle with, even if you know those three things, even if you really, really fight to know those three things. I know that God knows what he's doing. I know that God's good. I know that God loves me. You still might struggle with this. And uh, as usual, C.S. Lewis words this fear perfectly. Here's what he says. We are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We're wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's legitimate, right? Um, sometimes, uh, we can know all three things and still have a level of anxiety, a level of fear, not because we, we don't know God is in control, but because we know he is in control and we know that he's going to take us to a good destination, but the path to get there might be a painful one. And I think that's, that's an okay thing to just acknowledge, to say, hey, Lord, I know that you're working in my life. I, I know that it's going to ultimately be for my good, but I also know it's going to hurt and I really don't like that. <laughs> I think it's okay to just acknowledge that and be real about it. And again, hand even that to God to say, hey, Lord, I know you're up to something, but it really hurts right now. And um, I don't, I don't, I'm not in love with this process. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Because I, I, I would hope that even in the midst of the, of the turmoil, even in the midst of the pain, you would still want and desire the thing that he's doing. You know what I'm saying? That you wouldn't off-ramp early and miss the blessing that he's working on because you just don't want the pain anymore. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't short circuit what God's doing by giving up. Don't do that. Gosh, don't do that. That's, a, that's, that's not um, like a written down thing. You're, right now, you, we've been in this stupid season for too long, and some of you are about to give up on something. Don't. Stop it. Keep going. God knows what he's doing. God is good. And God loves me. Three Beliefs about God that I believe are essential to battling worry, essential to battling fear. I believe if you can really let those three things take root, if like, what if, what if your whole Christian life is almost the battle to grasp those things and to allow them to like sink their roots down into your soul? I know God knows what he's doing. I know he's good and I know he loves me. What if that was it? And you, if you got those, man, you're a rock. Uh, fear, anxiety, worry, they're going to have a hard time getting a hold of you because you've got those things so down in your soul. I really do think you can get there. And true freedom, true freedom 
is understanding and admitting how out of control we are. And then not just admitting, not just putting down the controller, but acknowledging who has the controller and putting our faith in a God who never ceased to maintain a good and loving control over the universe that he created. Never put the controller down once. Now, I've said all this, all this, right? <laughs> Trying to get you to unwrap your fingers of control from around your life. That's, what I, that's the whole goal of what I've done so far is to lead you to this place where I'm like, hey, there's a lot of stuff you can't control. There's a lot, a lot more than you think. But now I want to guard against an overcorrection, okay? I, I don't want you to jump over the cliff here. My argument in this message is not that you have no control, but that you have much less than you think. That, that's been my argument, right? I haven't been saying you have no control. But you, you, you just have way less than you think. The big things, the, the, the cosmic things, you have no control over, but, but, but you do have some control, right? So I'm not suggesting you just throw your hands in the air and say, well, I don't have any control, right? I'm not suggesting like a Jesus take the wheel while I take a nap in the back seat kind of a theology here. I'm not, I'm not saying that. You, I hope you know me enough to know that that is never what I suggest, um, so while I believe you have very limited control, the Bible is not anti-control, right? One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control, right? You, you don't have control over things like outside of you, but you have control over you, right? You, you can't control your kids. You know that probably even right now, you know that on an experiential level, right? You can't control your spouse. You can't control this pandemic. You can't control <laughs> Mike DeWine, right? You can't control the future but you can't control you. Chuck Swindoll, an old Bible preacher, once said, uh, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. To it. And uh, I like that quote because it kind of says, hey, you know, the stuff, the, the, the stuff that hits you, uh, that, that's 10% that's of your life, but 90% of your life is really how you respond to the stuff that hits you. Um, now, I don't know about the math on that. I don't know if it's 10 to 90. And right now, it definitely doesn't feel 10 to 90, right? It doesn't feel like it's only 10% what happens to us. It, it feels like that percentage has increased, that the stuff that happens to us is a little bit higher percentage right now. But still, the only thing you can control is how you respond. It doesn't matter how much is hitting you. It's still, the, the truth remains, the only thing you have control of is how you respond to those things hitting you. Your attitude, your action, your words, your choices. That's you. You've heard of the serenity prayer, right? Probably familiar with it. Uh, when I was in high school, I had a buddy who uh, at his house uh, in their bathroom, they had a little plaque with the serenity prayer right over the toilet. So every time I go to the bathroom, I read the prayer over and over again. And, and in high school, that, that prayer doesn't mean a lot. I don't know, you don't have a lot. Like that you need a prayer like that going on. I guess I didn't anyways. Maybe I was sheltered. Um, but now as I've grown older, I've really seen how, how impactful this prayer can be. So if you're not familiar, the serenity prayer is, God grant me the serenity to, to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Serenity to accept what I cannot change, courage to change those things that I can change, and then the wisdom to know which is which. So if we take that kind of, the, the two ideas, one at a time, serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I guess I want to ask you, if, uh, if you take your anxiety, your worry, your fear, and you, and you said, okay, this is it. This is 100% of the stuff that I have anxiety about, that I worry about. 
what percentage of this is stuff that you can't control at all? What, what percentage is the whole here? How much of this could you say, hey, if I just drop the stuff that I can't control, how small would this get? What's your percentage? You're sitting here worried about the next press conference. You're sitting here worried about the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You're sitting here worried about other people's decisions. What, what, if, what if you just said, you know what? I, I need to let go. I need to put the controller down on those things. Well, I wonder how much your anxiety, your fear, your worry would reduce if you just said, hey, I can't control that. I'm just going to put that down. How much would it shrink? If you're like me, you're sitting here, because I kind of argue with myself sometimes. I was like, I don't know, like 35%. And then I start to actually think about it. And I'm like, like the, the, the amount of time I spend brooding over things. And then I have to admit, like, it's a little higher than 35. Maybe switch those numbers, maybe go even higher, because it's, it's the stuff that I actually have no control over whatsoever. And your only action item with that stuff, your, whatever your percentage, you're sitting here going, okay, so yes, 60% of what I worry about all the time is stuff that I actually can't do anything about. Your only action item when it comes to that stuff is to pray about it. That's it. That's the only thing you can do is to hand it to God. You can't, you can't change the pandemic. You can't change the government. You can't change the people in your life. You can't change racism. You can't change any of that stuff, but you can pray about it. You can pray about it. That's, that's kind of your only action item when it comes to the larger, the larger world. That's the only thing you can do. So if you drop that and you put it into the only thing I can do about that is pray about it. And I'm not going to worry about it anymore because I can't do anything about it. What's left? What's the stuff that you can change? What's the percent, what percentage of the stuff you're worried about is just decisions you need to make but you haven't made yet? Or, or changes you need to choose, but you, haven't, you just haven't made that choice yet. What is it? And, and then I guess I want to ask, what's holding you back? If you have control over it, why are you worried about it? Make the choice. And again, I guess the only thing I would suggest here is pray about that. So ask God for the courage, the boldness um, to make the decision that you know you need to make, to do the thing that you know you need to do. Do it. Do it. Stop worrying about it. Worry. Jesus said, can worrying add a single moment to your life? The answer implied was no. Matter of fact, it may well shorten it. <laughs> Make the decision. What are you waiting for? If you can control it, do it. And I know, listen, habits are hard to form, even harder to break, right? So maybe some of the stuff that you kind of have control over is stuff that kind of feels like it has control of you and it's going to take some work and you might need some help. But don't, don't just sit there. Don't just sit there and be like, well, that sucks. I'm really just going to sit here and worry and fear about it. Like, do something about it. Ask for help. Pray about it. Make a plan. Start. Get up. Get up. Get up. I feel like some, I needed somebody to say that to me during, during this time. Like, get up, man. Get up. Let's, let's go. Come on. You can't sit there anymore. We got to go. We don't know how long it's going to last. You can't sit here anymore. Go. Get up. So listen. You have a lot less control than you think. But we serve a God who has all the control. So put your faith in him. Put your trust in him. He's got this. He's got this. Even though it seems crazy right now, he's got this. And, and man, if, if, if there's one thing, if, you just, if, if you're the kind of person who I can't take more than one action item, if there's just one thing I would say is, man, stay close to him in this. Stay close to him in this. Don't, don't do the thing where you wander off. Stay closer. When you're feeling out of control, get close to the one who has it, right? When, you, when you're feeling like you don't have strength to even do the things that you do have control, get close to him. That's, that's the only thing. That's the only thing. 
Pray with me. Jesus, um, man, I, <laughs> I want to selfishly pray for myself, Lord. I feel like this has been my, my issue here, Lord. So many things that I want my hands on right now that I, my controller just doesn't have batteries in it, Lord. And I'm <sighs> pressing buttons, though. <laughs> and Lord, I just, um, I want to put that controller down and I want to just watch you. I want to have my eyes on you, what you're doing in this world, Lord. And I trust that you know what you're doing, that you're good, and that you love me, Lord. And if I can remember those three things, if I can almost make those three things <laughs> just a chorus running in the back of my mind, Lord, I can exhale because I know you got it. Lord, so I pray that for, the, for everyone watching right now, Lord, that they would have that just on repeat in their mind, Lord. That you got it. That you are in control. And the part of our growth in our faith is going to be just trusting you through this. And I pray for that person right now, Lord, who, who has some stuff that they, they can control, that they're just sitting on, Lord, that I pray that they'd get up right now. They'd get up right now. That they wouldn't sit down, that they wouldn't give up, that they would get up and move and move in the direction that you're calling them to. Be with us, Lord. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, so uh, everything that we're trying to do right now kind of revolves around the word connection uh, as much as we can. So if, if today's service uh, made an impact uh, in your life, man, we'd really like to hear about it. We just want to be a part of it. It's, it's so hard right now to know uh, whether stuff is doing and kind of throwing paint on the wall, hoping that God is doing something. So man, if God's doing something in your life, let us know. Uh, shoot us an email at connect at mosaicneo.org. Um, if, if you're newer here, if, if this is like one of the first times you've tuned in or maybe you've been tuning in for a while, but you've, you've not really let us know that you're here, man, I, I encourage you, encourage you, encourage you. Let us know. Let us know that you were here. Uh, we'd love to just reach out. We're not trying to like hunt you down, but man, we'd love to reach out and just connect with you. Um, I think we'll even send you a free t-shirt if it's your first time. So we bribe you to, to make contact with us. It's uh, really, really important that we just have some level of a back and forth here. Uh, so to that end, um, we got a bunch of other stuff going on kind of throughout the week that we're trying to stay connected with. And I would just suggest, uh, if you don't, man, like our, our Facebook page, Mosaic Wadsworth, like our G Kids page on Facebook. If you got kids, man, you got to like that G Kids page. They're running videos. They're doing dance parties, doing all kinds of fun stuff throughout the week. And then Mosaic Youth, uh, our youth pastor, Scott, man, he is rolling. He's doing prayer meetings, doing all kinds of fun stuff. And now, you know, we're starting to plan some other things. So, man, if you if you got students, middle school, high school students, like that page, you'll, you can stay up to date with what we got going on. Again, all designed to help us stay connected. Um, another important thing uh, that we, we need going on is, man, we need your financial support. So uh, we, we have some, some new good ways to give, man. You can jump on that push pay. We got the text to give thing. We got a bunch of stuff going on there, man, for us to continue to be that church for people who don't think church is for them and take that next step, whatever that next step is, we need you. We, we just cannot do it without you. Uh, so, so please uh, stay faithful in that. Um, pray about what God would have you do in that. Um, one of the other cool things as we switched over our giving to something called Pushway, we, we have an app now. Uh, so if you haven't downloaded the app yet, uh, you got to have an iPhone for that. Uh, so if you're Android, we're still waiting, but iPhone, yet yeah, we have an app. You can jump on there. You just feel cool by having a Mosaic app. We're also podcasting all of our uh, worship experiences now. So uh, if you're if you're like the runner, if you're the person who can't have YouTube open and stuff, we got a bunch of different ways you can podcast us now. Again, all of this designed. 
help us uh, stay as connected as we can during this time. Hey guys, so uh, before we jump into like the normal announcements, I kind of wanted to share my heart a little bit about uh, what's going on right now. Uh, so you you probably are noticing that there are some churches that uh, even even opened up today, and you're asking a lot of questions maybe about when is Mosaic going to open back up. So uh, I have a little bit more information, probably not as much as you would like me to have, but I have a little bit more. It's not as much information as I would like to have either. So uh, I'll tell you what I know. So uh, I've been in contact with the school and uh, the school is uh, kind of just following all the stuff that they get fed from the state level. And as of right now, we are kind of in a holding pattern waiting uh, for Mike DeWine to make the announcement about what school is going to look like in the fall. Uh, the school can't give us any answers right now until he makes the announcement. And then they'll be able to give us some kind of an answer. Uh, so we're kind of waiting to wait, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, but that's, that's the situation we're in. And, and here's the deal. I want you to know something. This is not a Wadsworth thing. I, I have a lot of friends now who, who have churches in schools and I called around just kind of getting a feel for where everyone's at and that we are all in the same boat. Uh, we don't get to make this decision ourselves. We kind of have to wait on uh, someone else to make the decision. So we are in a holding pattern right now saying, hey, we, we, can't, we can't gather right now because the school uh, is just not ready for that. Now, here's the deal. I want you to know something. Even if we could, if we had our own building right now, we wouldn't be meeting right now. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but if you're looking around at some of these churches that are meeting, if you actually look at the guidelines, there's, first of all, there's a lot of them. And then secondly, every single church that's meeting, and this is the one that gets me, has, has like no children's ministry going on. All the kids are like in service with everybody. And for me, you know, I did a little straw poll. I asked Amanda, our GKIS director, asked around, and uh, I got the impression, since we have so many kids in our church, that that would really be counterproductive for us to try and have a service with kids in it. Um, you know what? I'd rather you just kind of sit in your living room. That way you can handle your own kids and not have to deal with somebody else's kids. I got a three-year-old, man. That's like the worst possible scenario. <laughs> and a newborn. I don't know. I just don't think it's feasible. Um, so I, what I was wanting to do is wait until that phase is over, until some form of kids ministry would be allowed to meet again. And that's when I would be interested in meeting. So just so you know, I'm not feeling like I'm missing out on anything right now. I feel like this is better for us to be able to stay in our homes and, and feel you know, that safety and be able to control our own children and, and, and just do the online church thing uh, until that phase is over. And then I just want you to know, we're working hard uh, on kind of plan B, C, D, E, if the school is going to give us some crazy long timeline. I just want you to know that we're not sitting here going, well, let's just see what DeWine said. Like we're, we're working here. We're moving, trying to find some other options for what we could do if we feel like um, we're being forced to wait longer than we would like to wait. Okay. So, so I want you to know that we're, we're coming up with a lot of different plans. We're just kind of casting our net out there and asking God whatever he wants us to do, we're going we're gonna to pursue after it right now. Uh, so the, the thing I would ask from you uh, is, man, be, be praying for this. Uh, this is hard. It, it's so hard uh, for, for the, the staff at Mosaic, the leadership at Mosaic. We're really, um, we want to lead well through this. We want to make the right decisions, but obviously it's difficult. Um, you know that there are so vastly opposing opinions right now about the way this should be handled, that leading through it is very difficult. And we really just want to do the thing that God wants us to
to do. We want to do the, the, the God-honoring, God-pleasing thing. So that's what we're after. So if you could pray that our church does what God wants it to do, that God would really direct us to whatever the next step is. Uh, if it's a big one, if it's a leap, if it's a leap of faith, if it's just a weight thing, just help us to settle into whatever he's got. Just be praying. All right, guys. Uh, see you soon.